Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Answering the Call, offering a glimpse into the spiritual journeys of local priests, deacons, and religious. And now, Answering the Call with Elizabeth Piccicelli. Hi there, and thank you for joining us here on Answering the Call on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 and streaming live to you on stgabrielradio.com. I'm your host, Elizabeth Ficicelli, and you know, we had five priests uh, that are newly ordained and gracing our Columbus Diocese, just ordained a few months ago, and we're blessed to have one of them with us here today to share his journey to priesthood. Uh, it's a story I know you're going to enjoy. He is Father Edward Shakina. He's the parochial vicar at St. Brendan's in Hilliard, and we're delighted to have you with us, Father Shakina. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. And I've been asking my newly ordained guests, are you getting used to that name, Father Shakina? <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's been difficult because I've always wondered, you know, can I really be a priest? And <laughs> now, as that title suggests, I'm actually a spiritual leader. And um, but it's it's been good. And the other, the difficult part is, should I have people call me Father Ed or Father Shakina? Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sort of getting my parishioners at St. Brendan's confused because sometimes <laughs> I sign things Father Shakina and then other times I'll just say Father Ed. Yeah. But either one's fine. Either one's fine as long as they're calling you. That's the main thing, right, Father? Um, you were born in Missouri, uh, but spent your first 11 years in Lafayette, Louisiana. So tell us a little bit about the family you grew up in. So my family um, were Catholic and my parents were Born and raised in Okinawa, Japan, and then they got married there. They came to the States, and there were a total of four of us who were born here in the States. I was born in Missouri, but we immediately moved to Missouri after that, and or, or moved to Louisiana after that. And uh, so, yeah, I just grew up Catholic. I was there in Lafayette, Louisiana for 11 years. And and go, going to your parents for a minute, um, it's kind of unusual because uh, Catholicism is not a, a big religion in Japan, but for both no. your parents to be Catholic. Right. So they uh, there were Franciscan missionaries there in Okinawa. And so they were in a part of uh, Okinawa where it was easy to go to church. And so my dad's mother converted. And then um, so he was raised Catholic. My mom's older sister converted when she was a teenager and had and became a nun and so my mom was uh, became catholic when she was a teenager and how so did you know that aunt or was she still in japan yes i do still know her. yeah she's still there okay. she's a principal at an elementary catholic school okay there in okinawa so as you were growing up here in america with your family and and in lafayette how would you rate the catholicism level of your family well, we went to church every Sunday, mm-hmm. but we didn't really talk much about the Catholic faith um, at home. So there wasn't much of a faith life. Um, you know, I didn't even really talk about God or even think of God as, you know, a personal God who I can sure. talk to and pray to. And mm-hmm. so that was um, just the routine was just to go to Mass on Sundays Okay. And and the so I guess uh you didn't go to Catholic school then, you went to public school. Yep. I went CCD, to public school. that whole thing for the yeah, sacraments. CCD just to just to learn about the faith, you know, just once a week. Okay. So it's probably safe to say that at that point in your childhood going through elementary school, you know, say up to high school, 
priesthood's not on the radar yet because this is a pretty, not, I don't want to say secular upbringing, but a, a nominal Catholic upbringing, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, right. All right, so let's kind of move ahead and look at high school. Uh, your dad had taken a job in the meantime in Columbus, so your family now is living in Columbus. Mm-hmm. By the time you're in high school, uh, the parish you attended, Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal. Uh, so what, as a high school kid, what were your you know interests in life or your thoughts for your future? Well, I was interested mostly in playing the trumpet. I was mm-hmm. in the marching band mm-hmm. all throughout high school and concert band, and uh I was, you know, I'm sort of a small guy, so sports was not big on my radar. Um, I mean, I did play soccer early in middle school okay. and then uh, broke my leg playing soccer. And then that ever, ever since then, I <laughs> oh thought, my. okay, I'm not going to play any uh, team sports. <laughs> so, yeah, I just kind of took it easy and, and, and was in the marching band, and that was fun. Um, and that's, I think that was pretty much the only extracurricular activity I did when I was in high school. So you're pretty much there, you know, social life, some sports, some, like you said, marching band. Um, what about college? Was that was that in the plan? So college was, it was like, okay, my parents want me to go to college. And I said, okay, well, I better go to college just because that's what they want. But I had no clue what I wanted to do with my life. So I had no idea what to study in college. Um since I was living in Columbus, I just thought, okay, I'll just go to Ohio State. And Ohio State, of course, has a great marching band. And mm-hmm. so I thought, well, that was a big draw. So I tried out and made it. And I Did the, you really? Yeah, That's so I was impressive. in the OSU marching band um, That's for three impressive. years. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You did not tell me that. I didn't know that. That's a new thing. And that is that is a very difficult band to get into. So as the mother of four marching band kids can say. Um, but that so that went well, but not so much the rest of school, huh? Right. So uh, because I didn't have much of a faith life, um, as soon as I graduated from high school and left home, went to Ohio State, I stopped attending mass on a regular basis. And... Um, and my life was just sort of like, okay, I'm still just going to go to school just because my parents sort of, you know, want me to go to school, Ohio State, go to college. And um, I just didn't have any purpose in life. I didn't have any direction. Um, so, and there was a lot of partying going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so then after three years at Ohio State, I, just, I actually, I flunked out. I didn't just drop out i actually flunked out yeah so um so then i had to get a full-time job after that and with a paper distribution company so you're about how old at this point so when i had so when i left ohio state i was 20 or 21 okay so you kind of get welcome to the real world you get a job and which is fine by the way you know and i I do want to throw this in that not everyone is ready or cut out for college right out of high yep. school. And as parents need to be a little more patient and let our young people direct us a little bit on that. Um, that's just my own aside there. Uh, but start talk about that, though, um, as you're working in the, the real world. Not terribly exciting, uh, it doesn't sound. So, no. you know, this period of disillusionment seems to be mm-hmm. setting. T- talk about that a little bit. So... Um, so, of course, because I don't have any sort of direction in life, and I was working full time. This uh, paper distribution company—it was a small company, family-owned company—that um, I was working for, and uh, it had like maybe three employees in this little retail store. Mm-hmm. 
And so after a couple of years of being an associate, they made me the store manager. And so I'm thinking, okay, great. I'm the store manager. And I realized that while the pay wasn't great and there was no way for me to move up within the company um, and the job itself wasn't very exciting. So by the time I'm 24 years old, now it's a couple of years that I've been the store manager and I've been the total of, you know, four or five years at that company. And it just, it was just not going anywhere. And so by that time I'm 24 years old, then I'm really struggling sort of disillusioned in life saying, what am I doing with my life? Mm, The proverbial question. Yeah. And so that's for the first time I started to have that serious reflection. So what did you do? Where'd you take that question to? So that's when, um, I realized, you know, I have not been going to church. And so since I had left high school um, after graduation, and uh, so, of course, sort of a in desperation, I thought, well, maybe if I just go back to church, God's going to help me out. He's going to tell me what to do with my life. You know, so I go back to Mass one Sunday morning, and it was just, oh, I fell in love. I fell in love with the Lord. I fell in love with the Mass. Um I felt like I was home again. I just had this peace come over me, and it was just, that was sort of, I guess, maybe we could say a reversion experience. Um, just you know, just, just walking into that Mass, was there any part of the Mass, or just the whole just experience? Being, yeah, just being there at Mass. It was like, oh, this is what I remember from childhood, going to Mass, and it was just something very peaceful about it, and um, and I thought, this is what I need to be doing on a regular basis coming here to mass. And maybe it was because my mom used to take all of us and she was very, um, she, she made sure that we would at least go to mass on the weekends Mm -hmm. as we were growing up. And so, um, it kind of sounds like it rekindled something, you know, something familiar, something, something very familiar. Yes. So seeds that, that are planted in childhood that sound like, you know, exactly. So in this coming back, kind of like, oh, okay, I feel home. I'm, I got this peace. Um, was there more than just this hunger for the faith? Was there finding like a hint of a vocation at this point? Well, okay. So at this point, when I realized, okay, I better go to bat- mass on a regular basis, um, and God sort of like entered into my life, um, and He was real for me. That's when. The first time ever I had a prayer life and I started to pray to God and say, you know, God, what do you want me to do with my life? And uh, so within a couple of months, he actually (laughs) answered my prayer. So I received a brochure in the mail and it was from the Legionaries of Christ. And it was just a recruiting brochure, but it said, have you ever considered becoming a priest? And I had not been part of any like religious mailing lists you know um so it would to me it was just so out of the blue that i was convinced that that was god talking to me telling me what to do with my life um of course i started shaking and and i broke out into a cold sweat and i was (laughs) like what you want me to become a priest i'd never considered becoming a priest ever before that time so of course you know i'm 24 years old um so I realized then, okay, I think I need to pursue the priesthood. 
You're listening to uh, the voice of Father Edward Shakina. He's talking about his calling to the priesthood here on Answering the Call on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AMA 20. So um, with, with that kind of thought now, all of a sudden in your head, what I guess I want to ask about your family, what what was their reaction to your, at least your reversion to the faith? I mean, and, and did you let them know about the priesthood idea early on, or was this something you were kind of holding in? I told my parents that I think God is calling me to be a priest, and um, my... <laughs> that had to be a little surprising. That was a little surprising <laughs> to them, but, uh, but they both have... Um, great respect for priests. So they were actually happy about that. And um, my dad, especially because he knew that I was just kind of searching in life and just sort of lost in life. And uh, so he was happy that I was finding something that I think, you know, was important for the church and important in my own faith life and important for the people. And so, um, so he was very encouraging um, but at the same time, I personally did not feel like I was ready to enter seminary. I didn't, I didn't know anything about the priesthood, and it was scary to me. And I was still relatively young, and I was still thinking about marriage. Sure. And so I, I sort of resisted. Um, so on the one hand, I was feeling like God really was telling me, "Okay, be, become a priest." But on the other hand, I was afraid. I was just like, I don't know anything about this, and I don't want to do it. So, so I did not actually go into seminary right away. And, um, I think fortunately, um, I had some credit card debt, so I actually could not go into seminary because, you know, when we're in the seminary, we can't work. Sure. And, um, so I needed to continue to work, um, which gave me the opportunity then to, um, go back to my the home parish, Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal, on the east side of Columbus, um, where I went as a child. I went back there and re-registered and registered as an adult, and I got involved in the parish. Um, I became an altar server, you know, for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd never done that as a child. I uh, became a lecturer and an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion, and I got involved in different groups like St. Vincent de Paul and the Respect Life Committee and the Parish Council. So I immersed myself in the life of the church, um, and I also wanted to learn more about the faith mm-hmm. because I had just sort of forgotten everything I learned as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started reading like Catholic Answers magazine yep. and, <laughs> you know, and just in the Catholic Times and, sure. um, and just reading the Bible and the Catechism and just really trying to learn more about what the Catholic Church teaches. So it sounds like that time period was providential, because you needed to do that anyway. So yeah. you're paying off your debt, you're you're just immersing yourself in the faith, um, and, and you worked, beside, you, you left the paper company, you worked for a lumber company, you drove a forklift, you right. serviced computers at an auto safety glass company. Was it, when you finally cleared the credit card debt, was that the tipping point for your actual application to the seminary, or was it something else? Um, so at some point along the way the I did clear off the, the credit card debt, but at the same time, the thought of becoming a priest, um, I was still just really hesitant on becoming a priest and I had a spiritual director and I, you know, and at one point I shared with them, I said, you know what? Um, I don't know if I want to become a priest because, um, you know, I think maybe I'd like, I'd rather get married and, uh, but I just feel this, you know, the, the church needs more priests and, 
and he gave me some really good spiritual advice. He just, he finally just said, Ed, you know, you're not called to fill this priesthood shortage if you're mm-hmm. not called to be a priest. He said, you just need to discern whether or not you're called to be a priest. That's a perfect, And that was awesome because advice. that took a lot of pressure off of me because <laughs> I had been thinking about, you know, maybe becoming a priest, but not really wanting to. Oh, you didn't to. have to be the savior of the world? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was just, whew, all the pressure was off. So, yeah. So then I just said, okay, that was, I think that was about 2006, 2007. And um, so I said, okay, I'll just let that go then, the thought of becoming a priest, because I really didn't want to. Um, In 2008, my parents retired, and then they joined the Peace Corps. And so they had a two-year assignment to go to the Ukraine. So they went to the Ukraine in 2008. In 2010, they were getting ready to come home in that summer. And as I was getting ready, you know, thinking about their return, I realized that they were going to have a lot of stories to tell about how they were serving the poor people in the Ukraine. And it was just sort of this mission missionary way of life. And I realized I was going to, I was just working just for myself, you know, just to make money. And um, I wasn't really living a life that was sort of mission oriented. And it was just their example that provided for me the way I should have been living my life which is just to be mission-oriented, serving other people. And so that's when I thought, well, how, how can I live that way of life? And then the priesthood thought came back very strong. But this time, finally, 10 years after I had originally heard that call, I finally was saying yes to the Lord. You're ready. And saying, I'm ready, and I want to do this, and I want to serve the church as a priest. And it just it seemed like it fit perfectly and I was finally excited about that prospect of That's, becoming that is, a priest. Yeah. That is awesome. So you applied and were accepted to the Josephinum. And let's talk about the first four years of the seminary journey for you, because you basically had to start over as a college student, despite your prior years at OSU. How was this second college experience different than the first? Well, it was definitely different in the fact that I had a purpose now. Uh, I mean, that made all the difference in the <laughs> world. Yeah, so... Uh, so not only was I excited to, to learn and go to classes, um, I mean, I did very well. So um, everything was all about, okay, what am I doing here in the seminary? I'm here to, to, to learn so that I can, you know, know theology and know philosophy. And um, ultimately, it's all about having that knowledge so I can teach the people once I'm a priest. And um, it's just... Because I had this purpose, I was able to go through seminary and just enjoy it, and um, and it was just an awesome experience for me there at the seminary. So you didn't have any kind of faith crisis during it. It sounds like with each year, your confidence was growing that this is definitely where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, my first, my first year was difficult in the seminary um, just because I was among younger guys, and um, I had not been in school so I had entered seminary now. I was 34 years old. So I had been out of college for, yeah. you know, 14 years or so. And um, it was kind of difficult. But after the end, at the end of the year, I felt more confirmed, especially talking with the spiritual director. I felt more confirmed that I was um, called to the priesthood, but I was still struggling with it. Then I had my first summer assignment. Um, it was at St. Simon and Jude in West Jeff. 
And uh, at the end of that summer, just being with the people, I was even more confirmed um, that I was called to the priesthood. And that sort of that pattern sort of continued. So every year at the end of the year, I felt more more um, affirmed and confirmed. And um, by the time I've got to the to the end of my fourth year uh, at the Josephinum, I knew that I was definitely called to the priesthood. Now, you didn't spend your next four years, the theology portion, at the Josephinum. Where'd you go? So uh, I went to Pope St. John the Twenty-Third Seminary in Weston, Massachusetts, which is near Boston. It is a seminary for men who are 30 and older. And um, we have, the Diocese of Columbus has been using that seminary. So um, so that was an option for me. Um, and I knew... You know, by the time I was going into theology, I was now 38 years old, and I said, okay, maybe I want to be around men who are mm-hmm. more my age, my fellow peers, and um, so I went to check out the seminary, and I loved it, and I knew it would just be a perfect fit for me. I went there, and it's just been, it has been fantastic. So again, another, uh, that same affirming feeling with each year at theology level as well, that this is right. Same I, thing, I yes, am. yes. Just continue to, to be confirmed um, every year that I went along. Awesome. And, uh, yeah. Praise God. So it sounds like you didn't have any major doubts, any faith crises to stop you at any point from making it all the way to your ordination, which was, as we said, just this past May, one of the most beautiful um, liturgies I've ever experienced. What were your memories of ordination day? Well, so... We, uh, our, my family was sitting in the front pew, and this is at St. Paul's uh, in Westerville. And at some point early on in the in the ordination mass, um, the bishop says, "You know, um, you know, we accept these men to be priests." And uh, everybody replies, "Thanks be to God," and everybody starts to applaud. And then we're we turn around to just, you know, sort of face everybody. And so I see my family there and, um, but my brother-in-law just, he gives me this fist pump and <laughs> it was just, um, sort of this, this message of like, you know, Hey, I'm proud of you. Um, and it's been an eight year journey and it was just, that made me tear up mm. big time. It was just so affirming. And then, um, then the rest of the ordination, um, you know, even with my face down on, on the marble, I mean, I just ha- had tears coming down. And Well, I think all of us in the pews did, too, I have to say. And and I know some of your family came from far distances to be there, yes. and, and not all of them are, you know, practicing the faith. I, right. I have to believe they were touched at some point by that liturgy. Yeah. Um, you know, so my sister and um, her two sons came from California. My younger brother and his family came from Hawaii and... Uh, and so neither of them and their families go to church. So I just, I th- just thought, you know, this is so perfect because it was such a beautiful liturgy for them to be at. And um, they were also there for my first mass the next morning. Um, and I think, yeah, I think they were definitely touched by it. Yeah. I wish every Sunday mass could be like the music, the everything. Everything was just picture perfect. Um, and now your first assignment is parochial vicar at St. Brendan's very close by here in Hilliard, uh, and you serve over there with Father uh, Bob Penhellerick, which yep. we love very much. How do you like it there? Oh, I love it. It's fantastic. I think it's a great first assignment um, for a parochial vicar because the, it, there's just so much activity there. 
And but it's really good for the sacraments because we offer, you know, we're offering confessions five days a week. That's incredible. And adoration, you know, five days a week. And uh, so it's and then there's, you know, of course, we have like 14 nursing homes or so around in the area. So there's a lot of anointing of the sick. Um, you have a school there. We have a school and, there, oh and um, you're gonna be busy. <laughs> so it's just, yeah. I mean, so it's it's busy, but it's just a good busy that I just, I just, I love it. You know, Father uh, Shakina, as you look back over your vocational path, would you have done it any differently? No, because I really think it's definitely God's timing, and um, I think with the experience that I have um, working in the world, um, I think I have a good understanding of people, you know, having to to fend for themselves, you know, yes. work and deal with their life um, and, you know, having to feed themselves yep. and be independent. And uh, so I think I love all those experiences that I, that I had, um, I think will probably be very valuable to me. I think that and the um, being able to guide young people when they're a little confused at their path as well, that you're going to be a real blessing to them. As they go through that, what what advice would you give a, a young man maybe today who's considering the priesthood is somewhere on that path right now? Well, I um, I think one big thing that was a spiritual practice for me, um, once, just from when I came back into the church, was um, doing a holy hour, um, just sitting before the Blessed Sacrament and having God talk to me. And I've no, I don't even remember how that started, how I learned about that, but it just started happening. And that has continued to this day. And I think just, I can't say enough about what that means because we all have many problems in life Mm -hmm. and only God ultimately can teach us, you know, the solutions and, and and to give us that peace. Amen. So holy hour, we got to put that on the schedule. It sounds like a great place to encounter the Lord and see where he's calling all of us. So Father Edward Shekina, it's been a blessing. We will pray for you. In your new priesthood, would you please leave us with a blessing? Sure, absolutely. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being our Father, and we are your children. Because you love us, you desire for us to be happy. And so you sent your Son, Jesus, to heal us and to save us. And you sent your Holy Spirit to be among us, to know of your love. Help us to be confirmed in your love for us and have joy within our heart. And you also gave us Uh, Mary, who is the mother of your son, Jesus, to be our mother as well. So we ask for her powerful intercession for all these things. We ask, and may Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Thank you, Father. This is Elizabeth Ficicelli. Join us again Tuesdays and Sundays, 1230, for another edition. God bless. Answering the Call is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Answering the Call with Elizabeth Ficacelli are available at stgabrielradio.com. This-